with my blog or alter ego kind of name just sold out it stems from uh, Janae Iko came out with her album sold out and mm -hmm. I am a huge fan of her so it kind of stemmed from that I really liked her concept of you know like the the concept of selling your soul um, and I felt like my soul was so into sneakers and it's such a lifestyle kind of aspect um, that I identify with so I thought it paired up really nicely and then after I went all full-on public with my branding and stuff I think two of my best friends came up to me and they were like you should have done Seoul like Korea Seoul or like Seoul as an S-O-L-E-D like your sneaker and I was like I guess that would have been better <laughs> yeah so I guess in terms of branding they were like they're kind of trying to get your best interest to like yo you should have done this yeah <laughs> But yeah, so I've been blogging and creating content and doing all these things uh, for about, I, I would say about 2012, 2013 or so is when I really dived into doing a blog and I first started out just doing it to do it for myself and thought that if someone came across it, like great, and if someone didn't, then whatever I have for myself. It's actually been throughout the years. I feel like as I get older, I'm losing my memory slowly, but I'll be like, oh, that one place I went to, I was wearing this thing and I can't remember what it was. So it's really easy for me to just search and look back at my archives like that. So that's been really helpful um, along with the organic reach that I've just naturally have built. Pretty cool. So you started in 2012 and then you're just trying to like build your brand from there. It's pretty awesome. Basically, yes. Um, and I mean, I feel like, you know, the digital space is constantly changing um, as well as like the social channels. So I just try to stay at least updated on whatever's happening. So like the blow up of Periscope and the downfall of Periscope, like every, all these updates with Instagram and just all these new social media platforms coming to life. I always am interested. I think it stems from my interest in technology as well in whatever is like the new innovation. Um, when Ello first came out, it I, 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 like spoke to me so well because it was all about no advertisements and it was really a platform where you can like be visually um, challenging for yourself. So I immediately hopped onto that. I found like one of these invite codes through someone and it was a whole process, but I eventually got onto it now it's a bit more mainstream so it just kind of shows like the evolution of a platform um, throughout the years and it's something that I like to be aware of and also produce content on the platforms that don't have that many users because I feel like that's the best way to reach someone that's pretty cool that's pretty awesome uh, what are your thoughts uh, about Instagram and how they launched um, Instagram TV like a couple of days ago what are your thoughts about it yeah I've been like just kind of I still don't really get it I guess I saw I watched John Mayer's because it showed up and I'm sure it was like a advertising kind of thing um I watched like a five second ten second clip and I was like I feel like this is just a story in kind of a content performance platform so I'm excited about it I think there's a lot of potential and especially with video becoming the next big marketing tactic i think there was a study that came out and said that 80 percent of marketing budgets are going to go towards video in the future and that's just the way it's going to be so i'm excited that instagram came out with this new kind of platform almost um but i really think after i digest it for 
uh, as it rolls out for the next month or so, that that's going to be probably the way that I figure out whether or not it's for me, if I can you know, reach my audience that way, and just watching it explode. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're definitely going to take a note, because um, I know Instagram is also um, owned by Facebook, and Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, they launched a thing called Facebook Watch, and they have like episodes, and they have like their own little reality TV and whatever and whatnot. So people are actually, you know, putting out content and stuff like that. So I know Facebook wanted to put out Facebook Watch, and they it's still under development. You know, they're still doing the thing. You know, we I mean, still watch stuff. Um, you know, it's still on a growing process. You know, within its first year. So I don't know if they're going to take a page out of that when it comes to that aspect. But I know a lot of people. It's you can only put like vertical. Um, mm -hmm. you know, video stuff. So I don't know. Um, I know a lot of people who have done um, music videos like nowadays. Music videos, yeah, right, they're actually right. been doing uh, vertical videos. Um, mm -hmm. That's been like a trend, a rising trend to do that. So they're definitely going to yeah. put their, you know, vertical video on, you know, uh, Insta, Insta TV. And um, the I know the limit that you can put on there is an hour. And so that's mm -hmm. like crazy. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're in like a very weird time period, I feel like, where all these like innovations are coming out and it's up to us to figure out how to use them and maximize whatever goal we have. So I feel like it's a very interesting time, especially for like the social media platforms and the emergence of video. Um, so it's a good time for us <laughs> creators. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So like, what do you think, uh, how do you think like Instagram is gonna be like doing when they, like still have this you know i know because i know a lot of people were definitely mad about when um instagram put uh uh insta stories but and then once that implemented within like you know a couple months people were like oh this is not bad you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. i i definitely felt that like when instagram stories first launched i was like why would i use this i have snapchat and then it's funny because in that next year it became more about me looking at my Instagram stories rather than using Snapchat altogether. And then once Snapchat changed their UX for the entire platform, I mean, that was basically the downfall of them. No one liked it. They, I saw that campaign, social campaign online, where I think they needed a million signatures and they met that. And they all basically said, we don't like your new design and we want you to go back to your old one. Mm -hmm. So. It's definitely, like, I, I'm i definitely a victim of, I guess, Instagram's tactic. Um, and they definitely, from a marketing standpoint, they launched at what could be the best time possible, enough for people to get familiar, and then for them to completely basically move on to just Instagram story rather than Snapchat. And, I mean, even today, like, if I pull up my Snapchat story, which I don't even really post anymore, but when I do... Like, I went from you know, hundreds of people to, like, less than 100 now just because no one's using it. And even if I think about my usage for that, I mean, I have my streak with, like, my sister, um, my fiancé, and, like, a few friends. But other than that, I just don't see a use for it. Yeah, most of. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, Instagram is kind of, like, pulling out the stops. Um, I remember I was watching a video from um, Marquise Houston. He does, like, tech videos and stuff like that. And uh, when he was discussing about when Instagram just launched, um, he said that um, Instagram just um, 
got to like a billion users on the platform which is like crazy you know that's like a fraction of how many people that are on earth so i'm like dang like we have seven, <laughs> seven billion people on earth and we got one billion on the platform so they definitely have a lot of staying power so i mean i don't see them you know going down anytime soon so i mean honestly it would be a lot beneficial for people who are like putting a lot of video clips you know that were at one minute mm -hmm. and now they can put it at you know a good solid two minutes saw three minutes you know it'd be you know good for people who you know do a bunch of you know video promo and stuff like that so if people want to yeah. do that so i don't know how um the situation because you, you can only put up vertical video you can't um unless you do edit it you know like let's say if i have a landscape video and then i do edit it to like you know put like a bar up top so i can make it mm -hmm. you know vertical i mean I, I, right. i'm definitely gonna be seeing that you know content creators that you know know how to edit that can do that uh -huh. well but um exactly. we'll definitely see in the future i would i definitely want to put out some content on Insta instagram's uh tv I, hopefully i can do that but yeah. uh once i saw the article i read an article like the day before they were going to put it down i was like yo this is gonna be a game changer and then i kept and then i saw a bunch of people like yo this is gonna be a game changer people that mm -hmm. you know do put up content and stuff like that so honestly oh, yeah. it's still in the growing process uh, i've been watching a couple videos some people that are you know trying to experiment with the process mm -hmm. so a lot of people are definitely impressed with um, the quality of the video. So mm -hmm. I know a lot of people were concerned about that. So the quality of the video looks looks fantastic. It looks really, really great. So um, Yeah. And because it is like a brand new feature that technically like no one else has really, I guess, implemented, I'm really excited to see like YouTube's response to that or mm -hmm. even if Snapchat is going to try to make a comeback, like if they're going to respond to that at all or maybe some random giant will just pop out and the next like emerging Instagram so I think it's going to be really interesting to see the competitor response as well yeah I, I mean it's interesting how Instagram has kind of like evolved from um, a photo sharing website now you can do you know insta live where that kind of like kills the periscope type of thing <laughs> and I mean honestly they're just like kind of like trying to reinvent themselves like it's it's crazy like how like mm -hmm. Instagram has kind of changed as a process like only doing square photos now you can do it from a four by five and one by five and um yeah. it's it's crazy like how the, the platform is like evolving now and i mean now you can mute users if you want to but i, I saw like a bunch of instagram users are like yo if you're trying to mute me just just unfollow me yada 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 and i'm like <laughs> yeah so i saw a bunch of like insta stories and stuff like that so Honestly, like I'm here for the ride. I'm along for the ride because honestly, like Instagram has been showing me the most love when it came to that. Like, honestly, being able to like contact you through Instagram DM is like it's surreal. It's like it's real crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool. Like honestly, like like me doing it versus versus emailing. A lot of people like respond to to DMs more than emails. So I'm just like yo. So it's like real surreal. So honestly, I, as long as it you know continues to grow, like honestly, I'm. I'm happy for it like i'm like I, it sucks like you know like platforms like you know periscope and other platforms <laughs> like they can't thrive off of it because they're not like reinventing uh what they want to do so right. honestly like i i can see instagram tv thriving unless they you know improve mm -hmm. you know the searching of the videos and stuff like that and how that goes and i don't know how copyright you know claim and how that's going to yeah. go with it when it comes to Take music news, all that. Yeah, yeah yeah most of it's definitely gonna be interesting to see like so our video is going to be taken down because of certain music mm -hmm. and um, only yeah, time will tell. So, yeah, who knows? yeah, so <laughs> it's definitely the future. So 
yeah, what do you think about social media? Do you think it's a positive, a negative? How do you feel about social media nowadays? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's a double-edged sword, definitely. I mean, just like the, the growth of the internet. Like, I mean, I'm definitely one of those uh, like baby boomers that just kind of fell in that era where the internet completely rose as I grew up. Um, and I feel like through that, it definitely made me more aware. I mean, you, you basically have information at the tip of your fingers now. Um, so in that sense, it's definitely positive. In that sense, it could also be negative. Maybe having too much information isn't the way to go. Maybe it is better to you know, leave things out of sight. Um, but, you know, I think it matters what you do with the information that is given to you um, mm -hmm. and what you're curious about and your interests. Um, Especially for me, I mean, the emergence of social media, at least, it, it emerged kind of at the time when I felt like I was kind of like trying to find my own identity, which is kind of like, I know I'm like a full on sneakerhead right now, but of course I wasn't always this way. Um, and I think social media definitely helped me be like, oh, you know, there are other women out there who like sneakers just as much as dudes do so like I felt kind of like that connection and acceptance almost even though no one is actually literally accepting me um, but I guess having that in the back of my mind like I was able to be like you know I can be myself without like I guess I just got kind of like the acceptance of the ability to be myself without anyone having like to tell me that um, so I feel like social media is great and of course like you know you and I could connect this way and I'm sure like you and I have both connected with people um, solely because of social media platforms and it's great to uh, like find out about like events um, like artwork like all these like things that really were not like able to be in one specific platform or like I guess website content um, some kind of publication but like really you can make these social media platforms what you're interested in which I think is what is most beneficial to a user so they're able to identify with themselves their interests their community and identify with other people who feel this exact same way it's pretty cool that's pretty awesome um, uh, when it comes to Instagram um what you call it do you have like a, a certain way or a aesthetic or something that you can um that you that you do when it comes to your feed or it's just like post whatever is there like a, a method yeah. to the madness or i've always wanted to like be one of those people that when you pulled up their grid like it it's really aesthetically pleasing but i guess i could never like i struggled with that so much just because you know if i filtered an image or like adjusted the color on it does that mean that i have do that for every single image possible um so i guess it's difficult in a way to like think about the grid as a whole um and i i try to be strategic with my content you know like i want to post like three on foot put uh on foot photos in you know the same week or in the same timeline like i kind of want to diversify it um but i mean i'm limited just to my resources um and what's available so it, it's just i try to be strategic as much as possible that's pretty cool uh are there certain apps that you use or do you use like a dslr or how does that yeah. uh come about so i started off with a dslr and it was like my graduation gift um high school I think so it just kind of followed me and I still have it I, I refuse to give it up even though it's totally outdated I don't use it anymore um, I actually use 
a Canon G5X, um, and I purchased that around like um, when I got my first job out of college, um, so I had that money, and also just wanted like to have something with a non-detachable lens because I found myself going to a lot of music festivals, a lot of concerts, those kinds of things, um, and in those scenarios, I wasn't allowed to bring detachable lenses all the time, um, so I tried to find a camera that was quality photo taking could do video too just because I didn't know if that was something I wanted to eventually go in um, and I did so that was the main reason for that purchase and now because it's so compact um, I don't feel bad when I whipped out at a restaurant and I want to take actual pictures of you know the plating the food like my experience versus like when I take out a DSLR at a restaurant I feel like I raised a lot of red flags amongst the staff a lot of like the people around me are like, what's going on? Why is she whipping out like a professional camera in the middle of dinner? Um, so I just found that this was kind of like the medium of some sorts that, you know, basically everyone accepts it and I can go into places with it. Um, and that was basically my main purchase. Um, as turn, uh, in terms of apps, um, I fell in love with Visco from the very beginning and basically refused to leave it. I mean, I've tried. <laughs> other things like Prime um, and random other apps that I guess a lot of YouTubers talk about as their favorites. But I mean, for some reason, like I just stuck with Visco. I think it's just really easy to use. Um, I know how to use Photoshop and InDesign um, and sometimes we'll tweak photos that way. But usually I'm just like always on the go. So Visco ends up being the way to do it. That's pretty cool. I remember when I heard about Visco when it was like in beta. Uh, I kept seeing like I saw like a bunch of like different artists. There were um, a couple of musicians they um, they were doing a little campaign for Visco, and I was like, "Yo, what is this app? What is this application?" Yeah. And then I started seeing a, a couple of different people using it, and I was like, "Yo, I need to jump on it." So I jumped on it when it was first, you know, before like people were even able to um, get on it. So I was just like waiting until like you know the public can you know download the app. So once I downloaded, it, I was like, "Yo, this is." a pretty nice app to um to like start on like i didn't even have like a, a dslr at the time mm -hmm. so it improved my photos like drastically like crazy oh, so yeah. i you know i love it I, I definitely use it especially if i have my like you know my iphone on hand then I, you know i'm good to go so um yeah yeah for me yeah <laughs> oh yeah sorry for me my editing process i just use like a, a dslr and if, if i if i use it you know i, I use lightroom stuff like that but um, mm -hmm. if I have my iPhone at any time, you know, I can also, you know, snap a photo and then just use Visco Cam. So it's a lifesaver. Yeah. And I mean, I love how Visco has also just like also kept up with their updates. You know, they saw like users really want this, users want that. And they just kind of like at least hear us and try to implement all these things into the program. So it's great to see the app has grown since the very beginning. And it basically doesn't even look like the way it used to, but it has a lot of the same functionalities and even more capabilities now. And all those like filters, um, even with in collaborations with companies like Nike, like that's so amazing to me that like something so simple like Visco collaborate with Nike. <laughs> okay, cool. That's that's really dope. So what what fueled this uh I guess not sneaker obsession but like the love for sneakers what would feel that like was that oh, something like yeah. when you were growing up or was that like <laughs> i don't know how did that come about yeah i know i feel like i i watch a lot of like documentaries or hear a lot of people's stories and they always have like you know some super heartfelt like oh my dad gave me my first sneaker or mm -hmm. i had a brother or something and i'm just like 
nope, I was not that way. I basically almost fell into it on my own. Like, it certainly always lived in me. Like, I was always interested when Tumblr was a thing. I was always interested in kind of like that streetwear aesthetics. And I would always see, you know, like a really beautiful model like Adrian Ho, like in sneakers. And that kind of just started, I guess, my interest just from constantly seeing like all these beautiful people, like in these really cool sneakers. And then it piqued my interest. And I made my first sneaker purchase with a recommendation from um, one of my, uh, I guess, high, high school, one of my high school friends. Um, I still remain friends with him today. I think he's less into sneakers and I'm definitely more into sneakers. Now, <laughs> That's funny. kind of funny. But yeah, he, I remember this like so vividly. It's just like one of those life moments that for some reason I remember the snippet and he was like, hey, you know, like this new sneaker just came out. Like, and I think, you know, you're a girl and even though it's a men's sneaker, like I think it's going to look great on you. Like, you know, it's all over Tumblr and, you know, I think you should buy it. And it was uh, the Jordan 3D retros. Um, and like I went to a store. I was like, yeah, these are pretty cool. Like, I think I want them. So I bought them and wore them. And that is like my first like real sneaker that I bought and eventually launched basically my interest in. Um, and then through that, I mean, him and I kept in touch and he ended up buying um, like my first LeBron basketball shoe on um, South Beach uh, of Colorway, which was really cool. Um, and then from there, I basically just started reading, you know, the typical blogs like Hypebeast, like Nice Kicks, Soul Collector, like all that stuff. Um, and eventually it just like ended up consuming me. Like I kept being like, what's the latest post on Hypebeast? Like what's the latest on sneakers? Like did someone make an announcement this week? And then I think because of the growth of social media and the internet that I was able to like basically fuel, fuel my interest um, even further until like it basically, it's all, like my life now, like, and I love it and I hope I can continue with it. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. Okay, I, I'm using my phone right now. Um, I have some oh, people yeah. chatting. So like, if you see me on my phone, I'm like talking to them real quick. So I'm like not ignoring you at all. I'm not like on yeah, Instagram yeah. or Twitter scrolling. So yeah, yeah, so. That's pretty cool. That's awesome, though. That's funny that, like, when you got in the interest, your friend was interested, and now you're more interested, and now he's, like, less interested. So that's so funny. That's funny. Uh, what are your thoughts about the hype beast culture? How, how, what, do you, what is your thoughts about that? What is What are your oh, thoughts? Oh, man. So I am technically a full-blooded Korean. So at least in Korea, it's, like, really interesting to me. And I did a deep dive one day into this just because I feel like at least my perception was for some reason if i saw like a korean person like they would be in supreme if they were like part of this hype beast culture or even like had the concept of being a sneakerhead in their minds like supreme in korea for some reason well actually the reasoning behind it is that it's unavailable in korea which like you would think oh it's unavailable like probably no one's gonna get it it's more unavailable so people want it even that much more so that's why they flock to places like Tokyo, Japan, or even to here in New York and like London to just buy Supreme. And that's also, I feel like what started, you know, like the reseller boom, because people like that who literally do not have access and really want to be, you know, head to toe in Supreme and, you know, like things like Off-White and all these like big ticket brands. Um, I feel like that just like sparks like, in movement almost that eventually went like 
fully global or I, I might be to be fair like completely tunnel vision it, because it's like Korean and I'm Korean and that's what I identify with but yeah I mean I I love and hate it I mean don't get me wrong like I, I have the off-white Jordan and like so I'm definitely part of the hypebeast culture regardless of whatever reason I wanted to buy these sneakers for um, and it's a good and bad thing I mean maybe these companies like Nike and Adidas are making mass quantities even more in production because there is this hype beast culture, or maybe they're not. Um, like, there's really no, I guess, like definitive answer. But in terms of making it a culture of its own and taking, I feel like the word hype beast obviously has a lot of negative connotations, but the reality is the hype beast culture is now thing and and i feel like it's a good and bad thing definitely like great because you know it creates a community um and it combines like art tech fashion sneakers like all these things into one culture that is consumed by you know people that only identify with these one aspect of the culture um but it's able to merge all these different things into one and i feel like that is the movement that's happening you know people don't want to just walk into barney's and buy like an off-white piece they want to walk into like the off-white pop-up store and be surrounded and consumed by everything off-white and i mean it's definitely uh, a different time right now and I, like as negative as it can be i think people forget about the positive aspects about it so I, i'm indifferent i guess you could say <laughs> that's pretty cool what are you what are your thoughts about um reselling uh because like i i went to, i recently went to like a sneaker panel um with nice. uh four different people and um they were talking about like the sneaker industry and they were talking about how reselling could be good or bad because like mm -hmm. when they grew up um when people sat in lines they waited for the sneaker they didn't like resell it like reselling was like kind of right. unheard of mm -hmm. when they did it and so it was kind of surreal like so when they saw the rise of like reselling it is kind of positive they had like some positive aspects but um back in the day when they you know were in lines they were actually paying for the sneaker they weren't reselling it so nowadays like people are actually reselling what are what are your thoughts about reselling sneakers oh man it it breaks my heart and i've definitely like have been in line and then someone comes out and they're they'll be like who wants the sneaker who's gonna pay me you know double triple the price for it because i have it and you don't and they might not have it by the time you get it and that just like breaks my heart because you know, you're buying with the intent to resell mm -hmm. versus buying with the intent to consume. And that just like hurts so much because there's so many people that want these highly sought out shoes per se, um, and even just like items in general. I mean, StockX recently expanded their uh, platform from just sneakers to like clothing and luxury accessories and all these different things now. So it's definitely a time where it's completely booming absolutely right now and we're seeing more and more of it. I mean, people are even, you know, willing to buy highly sought out like EDs that are used for almost similar pricing as the resale price, which is ridiculous because it's used. Like you wouldn't ideally do that. Um, but it's definitely, I, I mean, I initially, I hated it because I was like, you know, this is so unfair i want it's already really hard for me to buy sneakers in my smaller sizing anyways and now it's going to be that much more harder because someone's basically gonna try to be the middleman between me and the company that is producing the sneaker so it i hated it at first 
but to be fair, like when I did get, you know, I, I got like the off-white Converse and that was reselling like for a thousand dollars and it almost was uncanny to me to be like, am I really going to hold on to this shoe or am I really going to make like almost like $900 profit and maybe buy something that is worth $900 or something. Stop. Uh, hello, hello. Do you, can you still hear me right now? I partake oh, sorry in it too. Sorry. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. It it kind of it kind of glitched a little bit. Okay, now yeah. you're back. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just like, yo, what happened? No, okay, cool. Great. Okay, cool. You were still. Yeah, I, I I got like the last part. So okay, cool. Okay, you can still continue. I was just like, oh crap, did she did it cut out? Okay, cool. I was like, okay. No, I was ending anyways, so you're good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's cool. So like, you just see like the you know positives and the negatives, but the negative aspect and the middle man when it comes to that aspect. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy though. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely an evolving trend. I, I definitely understand that. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's cool. That's cool. Um, what uh social media app do you use the most? Since I asked you about social media. <laughs> so naturally, it is Instagram, just because I, I grew up loving photography, so, and I found my way on Instagram, and that was the way to go. But actually, more recently, I kind of like took a step back and was like, you know, it's pretty hard to reach someone organically and develop a relationship with them and really know them past just whatever they're posting and publishing. So I kind of went to Twitter and also because at work I can leave my Twitter feed open live um, and see the tweets kind of come in. But because of that, I have been actually interacting with people that I follow on Instagram that I know, like if I DM, like the chances of them seeing my DM is very slim, but the chances of them responding to my tweet is actually way significantly higher. And it's usually because these people are on Twitter to join the conversation, to speak their opinions, and they want to like foster that kind of sense of community versus Instagram is being used solely as, you know, here's what I'm doing, take a look at it, here's where I am, look at this, or, you know, look at this item I just purchased versus like on Twitter where they actually want to talk about it. So I took a step back and now I kind of find myself like throughout a work day, I'll always be checking Twitter um, maybe not constantly but I try to at least I guess I like also the chronological order which Instagram sadly took away and I definitely was using Instagram a hundred times more than I currently am when that algorithm was true because I felt like you know the need to look as far back as I could from the last time I opened the app um, so in that way, I have slowly been kind of off Instagram almost. And I mean, I've had my social media breaks like all great people do, but I, I was so amazed by the interactions I'm able to have on Twitter that I cannot have on Instagram. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, there was definitely a break period when I didn't use Instagram. I know there's like a, there was a good like couple months, uh, not this year, but it was like last year. Um, I wasn't just using Instagram that much, you know, I was focusing on school and stuff like that, and I had other priorities, but um, once they took out the, the chronological thing, 
uh, it was kind of harder to get an update from other people. If they implemented that again, I, I bet you anything they could gain a hell of a bunch of users oh, yeah. back and and tenfold. So I mean, so I mean, it's up to them. I heard the the chronological thing was going to come back, but it yeah. never came back. So, but honestly, like, um, pretty much how the algorithm works. If you don't use it a lot. Then you'll get, you know, a couple days, a week ago, three minutes ago, three hours ago. But if you constantly use Instagram daily, then you'll get like, you know, two hours, one hour, at least, right, you know, right. close within the day period and stuff like that. So honestly, when it comes to the, the algorithm, it wants you to use the app daily so you can at mm -hmm. least get close or at least close as possible to chronological as possible so yeah that's the only you know bad part you know what i mean so when it comes to algorithms so honestly you know what i mean it's it's a free platform so honestly i really can't do much about it so yeah i can't complain <laughs> honestly you know what i mean honestly twitter has done the same thing when it came to algor mm -hmm. algorithm like i remember when twitter you used to get like an update now you get like so-and-so liked this photo this is the best yeah. of all your friends like this and i'm like bro all i wanted was a chronological <laughs> And um, they're kind of just like, and I mean, every every website or any social media or platform does that when it comes to the changes. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just take it with a grain of salt and Definitely. that's pretty much it. So, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it it kind of sucks, you know what I mean? Like, I liked these apps before and now it's just kind of like taking away some of the stuff that I liked from the platform. So I'm just like, dang, so... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about YouTube uh, lately? Because I know a, a lot of plat yeah. plat people with platforms I know have been uh, recently been a lot of de demonetizations. Uh, the algorithm is definitely something um, a lot of people have been definitely been strained away from lately. So um, because, you know, people haven't been able to. I mean, of course, you're not going to get like super rich on on YouTube. A lot of a lot of creators know that. But um it's definitely taking a lot of money from creators and I feel like YouTube is definitely protecting more of their advertisers instead of mm -hmm. their creators who build right. up the platform ultimately. And uh, I don't know, it's something. I, I feel like I've seen a lot of different creators um, leave the platform and actually right. go to a different one, um, especially the one I'm on. Um, I'm uh, streaming on Twitch and it's mm -hmm. it, geared towards gamers, but you can do whatever you want on this platform but like you can be monetized on this platform for what you do and i feel like a lot of people are leaving to you know to a different place to be able to be monetized so i mean right. so i'm seeing that you know shift in focus and i don't know how youtube is so hopefully maybe yeah. the instagram tv hopefully that can shake up something and hopefully youtube can actually change within their platform and stuff like that so yeah what are your thoughts about youtube now lately yeah, so in 2016, I kind of looked at my blog and was like, okay, I'm creating, you know, like a small audience. The blog market is very saturated, you know, and YouTube is still, like, even today growing. And in 2016, there was obviously more growth then. Um, but I kind of, I guess, did a few test run videos in terms of, you know, producing content, getting used to using, I switched it from iMovie to Final Cut Pro. So just making that technical transition and then also trying to figure out you know like what content people want and what they're searching for on youtube specifically um so kind of just test run or test ran a few different videos um like a styling and unboxing um i think maybe even a makeup one and then in 2017 things kind of were up and down too with 
me producing content regularly. Um, so just kind of like was monitoring everything. Um, and then in 2018, I actually got engaged in the middle of 2017. And then basically ever so slowly, my life has been consumed by my wedding. But in 2018, I initially wanted to do a deeper delve into YouTube. Um, and I was really like all ready to go out with it. And then yeah, that announcement came out and they basically were like, we're not going to help our small uh, creators anymore, was basically the message that I received and I think was very widespread uh, amongst all YouTubers and content creators. Uh, so yeah, in that way, I mean, everything's about business and YouTube, they were under fire after Logan Paul thing and I totally understand why they did what they did. Mm -hmm. It definitely was negative for people like you and me and I mean I have a few other friends that I met who were also producing content they just weren't at that level um so it's unfortunate in that way but I mean you know we we adapt and we'll adapt to it and I am still I did definitely stagger with my content um and I I use my wedding as an excuse but definitely that I was just so hurt from that announcement um the effects of that um but I am coming around to, I guess, attempting to produce more regularly, um, and I definitely plan to in 2019, um, if not sooner. And I mean, I feel like YouTube is really interesting. I think it's the second like top search engine after Google, which you know says a lot because yeah. Google's number one, and then YouTube's number two. Like that's crazy. And you know, I I wish there was a better way for me to be on the Google side of things and be like, oh, I can see that, you know, over a thousand people just within the last hour search for a DIY IKEA bag dress. And then I can create content because I see a huge need for that. You know, it's really hard to, I guess, figure out what people want to see and what they are constantly searching for. And then obviously producing the content for them in because you have that information. So I feel like that's kind of like a discourse and maybe we'll see a platform or two arise because there's that need for that or maybe we won't. And it's just like, it's always mind blowing to me because I made like a styling uh, Adidas NMD sneaker video and I really didn't think it was gonna, you know, get more attraction than like my Facebook friends. So I expected like maybe a hundred, 200 views. And then over time, I guess people just were constantly searching for that and then the NMD blew up and then now I think my top video is literally like 14,000 views on this one like it's not it's like a subpar video to me because I didn't really know what I was doing at the time and you know if you look on like someone that I really have enjoyed throughout the years is like uh, Song of Style and Jen M like you know I, I was definitely not even similarly content producing the same level that they were so it just kind of blew my mind that I can make a subpar video and still gain that traction because there is that need for that topic so I'm excited about you know the competitors kind of taking potential market share away from YouTube so I'm excited to see how YouTube responds to that. Um, and also, I mean, YouTube has been taking a lot of heat lately with like the fake news, the Logan Paul incident, like all these other things um, that have been shooting too, like all these other things that have happening um, at YouTube. I think they, I feel like they're formulating a response if they 
want to continue thriving, they will respond to all of this in some kind of way, maybe not today or tomorrow, but maybe throughout like the next few quarters. Um, but you know, if they don't respond, that's basically what drives people away. You know, they want to know that their voices are being heard, they're upset about X, Y, and Z. Like maybe they need to remove a button, maybe they need to add a button, that kind of thing. So I think it's gonna be definitely very interesting, at least for the rest of 2018, to see YouTube's response just to everything happening in the media. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when it comes to YouTube, I think they, um, they do like a more quieter response. Um, mm -hmm. I know they're not loud when it comes to, hey, this is what we did, check it out. They're more quieter um, because there, there's so many, so many arms, you know, yeah. at them. And, you know, they honestly, it's, it takes time. Like, honestly, it, you know, it, it does suck. You know, if you're at the face of YouTube, um, mm -hmm. you have to re literally respond to so many other things. You know, the algorithm, when it came to the shootings, yeah. those were popping up in the feed. The fake news, you know, Facebook is going through a hell of a lot through that yeah. situation. Same with YouTube. So, yeah, there, there's definitely a situation to be brought up. And um, I don't know. It's just like it's something. I mean, if the the top YouTuber is having trouble with, um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I put him as an example. Um, his name is PewDiePie. Everybody knows who he is. Yep. But um, <laughs> he, he even has trouble with monetizing videos. So if the, the, the most popular YouTuber has trouble with the platform, how do you think that's going to affect everybody through the line, through small, through big creators? <laughs> like, that's crazy that, you know, your, your top YouTuber has trouble with the platform and even he doesn't have a way to reach youtube right. like the only way he can reach youtube is through a video trying to make a video and hoping youtube watches and and exactly. and and even with that he even has he even has trouble you know even contacting youtube so i mean it's it's mm -hmm. crazy though like if you have you know your, your highest top youtuber and he has trouble you know contacting youtube how do you think you know other creators are going to be exactly. having trouble contacting youtube so yeah, that's crazy. Um, somebody commented and they said, as a business, it would make no sense for YouTube to lose business just to make the small YouTubers happy. Overall, uh, YouTube only you know looks at statistics, and if they see the improvements, they won't change anything. So, yeah, I, I mean, I understand that's this. True. Yeah, that is definitely true, especially with the smaller ones. Um, I think a rising trend that I've definitely been hearing about. Um, before YouTube, um, well, when YouTube was still, you know, in their development stages, um, uh, now the TV brands are now flocking to YouTube, and now they're getting a lot more, um, I forgot what, not momentum, a lot more momentum than mm -hmm. the regular YouTubers. So it's funny because, like, they've been, uh, most of the YouTubers have been paying attention to the, the trending stuff, and a lot of the trending stuff often can be, like, Ellen, Jimmy Kimmel, right. or like some other, yeah. you know, TV, yeah. yeah, TV brand that's like trending, and they're like, "Yo, they're like, how is this algorithm working? Is it in the favor <laughs> of TV people, or you know, what I mean?" So yeah. people definitely noticed that and stuff like that, and the rising trend, and um, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. So yeah, I definitely understand that aspect. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I definitely understand that. So. Yeah, that's crazy. For sure. Everything's a business. It's all about making money. Like, I totally get it. I just didn't think that the way to continue making money was to demonetize other people. 
to do so. And I guess I get it. Like, you know, they, they probably have some small YouTubers that they just can't retain and keep up and interact with constantly. So it kind of filters out, you know, the real players versus, you know, the subpar, like not even their remote players. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely crazy how, like, um, when it comes to that, I don't know how the response is going to go or, Honestly, I don't know. Maybe YouTube may do like a quick 360 or 180 when it comes to things. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So most that. Uh, do you have any uh, questions for me? I always uh, usually ask the, um, the people that I interview if they have any questions for me and uh, at least gives me feedback for that. So, yeah. Sure. What is what's your favorite sneaker? <laughs> oh, what is my favorite sneaker? Um, it's actually the Nike Cortez. Um, Ooh, I feel like okay. it's a simple sneaker. It's a classic West Coast um, sneaker that most um, musicians or artists I know Kendrick Lamar uses that shoe a lot, and I know another uh, a bunch of different rappers that you know wear it. But I think that's like the most classic one that I like. Yeah. Uh, there's one that I wanted to get. Um, it was. Um, it was a Nike Cortez, but um, I don't know if you've seen Forrest Gump, but he wears the mm -hmm. the white with the right, I think the right. red, and mm -hmm. I think whatever colorway that it has it in there. But um, I wanted those sneakers, but they were like a hundred and something, like hundred twenty bucks, yeah. and I'm like, bruh, if the regular Nike Cortez are like <laughs> sixty, seventy bucks, I don't know, I don't know if they're even <laughs> worth it. So, yeah, I would have to, yeah, I'd have to go with the Nike Cortez. I feel like. Those are really okay. simple, and honestly, mm -hmm. I don't think those ever go out of style. So, never, never, yeah. ever, ever. <laughs> yeah. What are your favorite uh, sneakers, since you asked me that question? so. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. feel like recently people keep asking me, you know, what's your favorite brand? And I, I really had to take a step back because I was like, I don't really know. Like, I have to think about it. You know, I love what Brianna has done for Puma. I'm a huge Rihanna fan. And <laughs> now she's like this mega yeah. god. Like yeah. Touching all these industries. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So I love that. Basically, Puma tapped uh, Puma tapped Rihanna to do what she does best, and she did it to her utmost best. And then through that, I mean, like I think in the past week or so, Jay Z got announced as you know their new brand ambassador on the basketball line, which is amazing too. And you know, basically now you have these two giant megastars amongst. So many other like um, other athletes that are notable as well. Um, so I think I, I like all these different brands and what they do. Um, but I mean, Adidas' emergence in the past five to uh, ten years has just mind blown me, and I. Um, okay, it, it kind of cut out a little bit. Believe the the price was like a little up there but it was like i don't know just the fly net material combined with the comfort was basically just what we needed and it, it looks great on everything um and through that one sneaker basically i became like an adidas like obsession almost emerged like i fell in love with everything pharrell has done with adidas ranging from you know the highly sought out nmds to you know people don't even like buy um his human racers so often but I saw the picture leak of the colorway that I currently own, um, kind of like this beige with marble sole. Um, and immediately when I saw that, I was like, I need to buy it. And then the price point on it wasn't too bad. Um, it actually didn't even end up being like one of like the, I guess, super hyped up shoes. Um, but I still love it. It's super light. 
Um, it's great for travel and just in general, um, super comfy. Um, and then through that, like he came out with all these like I am other clothing and I just felt like it resonated really well. Um, it's always been very trendy and fashionable. Adidas original specifically has always been um, trendy and fashionable. And I love that they collaborated with uh, Pharrell's I am other brands. I've been following it since like even before its collaboration with Uniqlo. Um, and I just like the concept, the idea of, you know, just being your own self without having anyone else really uh, like define who you are by uh, demographics specifically. So I think that, and he also came out with the superstar and the emergence of the superstars again was just crazy seeing, you know, a shoe that really hasn't changed that much from decades ago to every single fashion influencer was wearing them. They were being worn at fashion week and it was like a hundred dollar sneaker. And you know, it's being shot next to like a Louis Vuitton purse. That's, that's like mind blowing maybe for like five years ago. And then now today we have Supreme and Louis Vuitton collaboration. So it's, it's definitely very interesting to, you know, see all these different kind of industries and concepts and ideas of like collaborate with each other and really make a product that has you know these two companies that have absolutely basically no relationship with each other um, and we're not even seeing that in just sneakers i mean now we're seeing the collaborate uh collaborative albums like uh cuddy and kanye um like janae Iko and big sean you know like everyone's like doing these collaborative app albums and combining two completely different sounding um like just two different completely sounds um and merging them into one and basically making it a masterpiece which is crazy so i love that like all these brands are collaborating and you know it's i guess creating like a new sense of creativity in the way like who can make the best collaboration <laughs> that's pretty cool what are your thoughts about those two albums i actually listened to both of those albums <laughs> when they first dropped yeah. so um yeah you could talk about the the kanye and the kid cutting oh, and yeah. the, the jane aiko and the big sean Gosh, you know, so I am like the biggest Janae Iko fan. Um, <laughs> I love 2088, and when it came out, I mean, it was probably one of the, I guess, uh, first timers in terms of the collaborative album movement. Um, like, I felt like her and Big Sean, they weren't even dating at the time. So it was interesting to see, like, you could see that there definitely was a relationship then, and they've talked about it since, um, now that they're actually like full on dating. So I, I fell in love with the album immediately. I mean, it might have been me just being biased, but I always feel like I, I love Janae because I resonate the most with her lyrics. And I mean, I felt like that album like totally spoke to me in some of my life aspects, you know, like all the cheating and thinking someone's someone else and they turn out not to be. And then, you know, like a relationship built and the relationship falls. And, you know, it's very real and I like some of Big Sean's lyrics. I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. But to be fair, like, I mean, it definitely took both their two sounds. And they announced earlier, I think either last year or at the beginning of this year, that they were going to come out with another um, album together, like a part two. But we have since haven't heard any kind of news whatsoever. I'm eagerly waiting for that. Um, so definitely we'll wait for the update. Um, I know that they're kind of both a little quiet right now. Um, they both have produced all these other albums or uh, productions. So it will, 
I feel like it's going to come maybe Q4, um, if anything, or maybe Q1 2019. But yeah. the, the Cuddy and Yeezy album, I mean, first of all, like the whole Wyoming and Ye, just that album drop, like, I mean, I, I love that album so much. Um, like, I know people were kind of like up and down because of like really cold statements and Kanye just being Kanye. But like, I, I fell in love with that album. Um, I, I love that, you know, he's talking about mental awareness and it's something that I feel like is being, you know, it's spotlighted right now, especially with all the suicides um, from these like top tier people. Um, so it's it's good that, you know, he's talking about something that isn't ever really discussed um, and he's basically spotlighting it and now basically everyone's talking about it, which is great. Um, in terms of the collaborative album with Cuddy, I mean, you know, I went to the Life is Pablo, uh, the tour, the stop here in D.C., and I mean, I, I think it, it was the D.C. stop, or I don't know, I watched so many videos, but, you know, he, he talks so much about, you know, cutty this, cutty that, like, he was mad at him, he wasn't mad at him, like, he understood why he needed to do what he needed to do, and it, it just was, like, interesting that they came out with such a good album in the end. And that's basically what became of it. And I mean, they fixed their relationship or whatever was going on with them um, for the better. And I felt like the album, and my first listen, I was like, wow, this feels like like 80% Cuddy and 20% Kanye. Like, you know, it, it felt more like Kanye put his, like, I guess, stamp on some parts of the track, but then the rest was just all like Cuddy. Um, and then as I kept listening to it, like, I was like, okay, maybe it's like, you know, 60-40 Cuddy versus Kanye. Um, and, and then I kind of, like, started digesting the lyrics even more. Um, and, I mean, I like it. Um, I think it, it is the greatest collaborative album so far just because they took two distinct, like, well-known fans. Like, they're famous for a reason. Like, people love their sound, and they completely collaborated them into one cohesive effort which is really hard to do to take you know black and white and try to make gray um like the perfect shade of gray too that like the mass audience is going to listen to so i mean i i commend their efforts i think it is definitely the artwork i am completely like head over heels for it like i want it all over me like i want a sweatshirt i want it on pants yeah. i want it on speakers i want it on everything um but in terms of I mean, I think it's very artistic. It's creative. Um, I love the Cuddy comeback um, per se, just because I mean he went through so much, and I think everyone was kind of like waiting to see what he was going to do. And then when the announcement came out, like everyone knew that this was going to be like a big Cuddy like moment, um, as well as like a Yeezy moment. But that just kind of goes hand in hand with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when it came to 20, uh, 2088, I felt like once that dropped, I was like, I didn't even know about it. But like uh, once the anticipation dropped, I was like, yo, it was a it was a really good EP. So I really definitely respect them. I, I, I yeah, you see in like in their bio, they have like a Twitter bio and uh, oh, they yeah. have an account. And it said like they're dropping their 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 part two. And I was like, bro, it's been like two years. Like, when's the part two? Let me know. How at me? Let me know. I'll be ready. I'll yeah. buy it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for it, like, <laughs> you know, the anticipation's definitely. killing me, but, um, yeah. I definitely understand, um, you know, Big Sean dropped, you know, um, I think 
think it's I just yeah yeah that one and then uh something decided I I decided or something oh, yeah, like that and then Jana Eco she dropped her album I think Trip. it was yeah Trip so she dropped mm-hmm. that so maybe um usually when it comes to artists usually they they don't drop in the fourth quarter they usually drop first right. second third and then fourth is when they you know kind of just start over and stuff like yeah. that so we'll see we'll see i you know only time can tell so yeah when, when it came to the new yay album i was kind of indifferent um honestly if i had to give a grade on the the new yay album i would give him like a, a, a d plus or something like that i don't know it was Ooh, it wasn't i don't know a lot of people i heard a lot of people some people liked it a lot of people that i that like respect their music opinion they they're they're kind of indifferent about it um honestly mm-hmm. about that album they they kind of gave their honest opinion they're like nah it's not for me you know i mean it was whatever i we expected a little bit more from kanye um i liked life of pablo i know some people were indifferent about it i kind of loved that album honestly that was i was a project for me i kind of liked it you know front front and back so honestly i was kind of expecting a little bit more but you know i mean it's you know it's kanye i mean honestly i mean it is what it is so he he produced the whole thing he was he produced the whole the the kids see ghost project so mm-hmm. honestly um i loved it i loved it front through back the kids see ghost um i would give it a nice. nine out of ten honestly like mm-hmm. honestly i thought it was really good i think the first track um it kind of blew me out the gate it was kind of fun i thought it was like a really cool project um yeah. it was a fun idea um you know honestly um like a lot of reviews too i was just trying to see like where my like review gauged from it and a lot of people are like, yo, Kid Cudi was definitely in his pocket. Like, people are like, yo, I haven't heard this Kid Cudi in a while. So people were saying that he sounded good. Kanye sounded good. You know what I mean? Of course, I wish, you know, Kanye had a little bit, a lot more lyrics when it came to that. But, right, you know, right. but, but he did produce the whole thing by himself. So I give him credit by that. But <laughs> sonically, it sounded really, really good. So, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they come with another collaboration. So, I'm, I, you know what I mean? So I definitely love the collaboration aspect when it comes to the music genre so i mean honestly i'm like all for it when it comes to collaborations and right. music as long as it sounds good you know i mean i'm i'm way ahead for it so i'm definitely understandable when it comes to that so yeah definitely. yeah yeah and i feel like we're we're also seeing like hints or maybe like i feel like the movement that led to that might have been that collaboration between like pop music bringing in rappers to do like little verse mm-hmm. and like something that I think resonated me the most, or I guess was very surprising, was when Taylor Swift came out with um, that track with Future in it and Ed Sheeran, and I was like, how on earth is this going to sound? Like, the title came out, and I was like, I, I don't believe it. Like, I'll believe it when I hear it. And then I heard it, and I was just like, oh, I was like, no, I don't like this at all. Um, but I mean, it ended up being like one of her top songs in the album, and I felt like that kind of paved the way to doing these like these more of a more of a stretch collaborations. Like I would have never have thought that Cuddy and Kanye would have collaborated maybe a few years ago, but then I mean it happened, and I don't think anyone like could even forecast that it would. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Uh, do you have any more questions for me? I don't. Uh, I think I'm done with questions for the day. So yeah, it was really good conversation. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. It was a good combo for sure. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for coming out. I really appreciate you coming yeah, out a little bit you. earlier than usual. So it, yeah, perfect timing. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, that'd be cool if I mean if I have another idea or another topic that'd be cool to come on the podcast again but yeah thank you thank you for yeah for reaching out thank you 
appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Like I, I, I love you know like connecting with people from wherever they are mm-hmm. and like you know connecting in general is just it's always so mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I grew up in the time period where my parents were like, "Do not accept instant messages from random strangers. <laughs> not be talking yeah. to people uh-huh. on the internet." And I was yeah. like, Okay, yeah. And then, like, I remember being like, ooh, some people are, like, DMing me, and I do not know them. I've never seen them in my life. Like, they're liking my pictures. Weird. Like, super weird. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, such a norm. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's how we could, like, communicate with yeah, people now. Yeah, <laughs> most, most definitely. Yeah thank, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. It was a fun conversation. I was able to talk to you music, yeah. fashion, and it was it was really really awesome so really really awesome i love it yeah, yeah. i love when i can like talk about everything because i feel like that's how you really get to know someone and their interests and everything yeah uh i, I think i only have like one last question but like what are your sure. yeah what are your like music interests since we like ended it on that so Ooh, okay i mean Janae Aiko definitely top number one um <laughs> <laughs> recent aside from her Recently, I have fallen completely in love with Alina Perez. She's kind of like one of those more up-and-coming, kind of, she has a similar style to Janae in that Apple Music was like, you should listen to Alina if you like Janae, and these kind of like R&B, I guess, tracks that I've been listening to. So she's definitely top of my list. Um, I'm going to see her when she tours for the Color In You, Of You uh, album uh, in September when she stops in D.C., Naturally, because I'm from the D.C. area, I love Gold Lake, and watching his rise to fame is just, it's its beautiful. It's really great, and, like, I mean, I remember, like, this uh, last summer, actually, maybe uh, this past spring, I was just, like, driving in Georgetown, and I was like, there's Gold Lake, like, just being a normal person walking in Georgetown. Dang. <laughs> so, definitely, those three artists, like, just, I love them, and, you know, if they come out with something, I'm almost, like, one of those first people to listen to it immediately i mean you know all the top people i listen to like kendrick and drake but um i i'm all about the underdog um and i definitely feel like alina Perez is slowly and surely going to make her way into like the mainstream b to a list uh, my fiance loves j cole and it, like I'm thankful that we've dated because he introduced me to him like I, I knew about him didn't really like listen to his tracks much but he it, it, he's definitely his number one favorite artist so naturally I found myself like slowly listening to him and then when Forest Hills Drive uh, came out I was like this is my album like I love this everything about it he had no features it was you know like a crazy like beautiful story that he painted um and i through that like i have i guess like just always been interested in him since um and i've seen him in concert a few times and his energy is always great um travis scott's energy is like insane um his his music um his albums like i'll listen to all the way but it's not something that i'll constantly be going back for um with like kind of like janae i'll always just be like I want to listen to that first EP she came out with, um, and also Childish Campino. I mean, he's gonna—he's supposedly going to retire or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, I—I I love everything he's doing. Um, this is America. I feel like was just a stepping stone to the album that he's probably working on um, and probably going to come out soon with. But I feel like he took such a risk with "Awaken My Love," and it—it it was so like even to this day, it's still definitely deemed 
experimental, but like it's crazy because I'm sure he was like, I don't know how this is gonna play out. Like people are gonna love it, people are gonna hate it. It's gonna be one or the other. He took such a big risk and it was for the better. I mean, I think the initial response was maybe somewhat negative, but eventually people grew to like it. And I thought it was crazy at first, but I it's like now probably one of my top albums I listen to on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, my, my music interests have ranged from, like, Frank Ocean, Kendrick Lamar, oh, yeah. and a lot of variety of different um, uh, underground artists. I don't know. I like supporting underground artists. I like to see them win. Um, you know, you're talking about Gold Link. Um, I have one artist that you probably really, really would like. Ooh, um, I love it. Uh, yeah, his name is Xavier Omar. I, I need to send, I'll send you like a, a, a link of Please. some of his music. Um, I feel like you would dig his music, especially if you like nice. Jana Eco. So, yeah, I, I definitely got a couple people in mind that you would like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Perfect. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah most, yeah, most <laughs> definitely. Yeah, he's going to be an artist that he's going to, he's going to grow. Uh, he's going to, he's going to be up there someday. So, hopefully, yeah, yeah so my, yeah, oh, yeah, what were you going to say? <laughs> There's one more artist that, like, uh, in the past year, I'm, like, obsessed with almost is uh, Gallant. And some people pronounce it Gallant. I think it's Gallant, like, because mm-hmm. at least that's how he said it. Oh, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, yes. Yeah. yeah, so he came out with Weight and Gold, which was kind of his big hit. And he's actually from Columbia, Maryland, and I have, like, friends that went to high school with him. But his ride, I mean, his first album, Ology, was in the same category nominated for a Grammy against Beyonce, which I think speaks to his creativity and you know how great he is. And now he's getting ready to launch his second album and his energy when he performs, it's like crazy. Like you feel it in yourself watching it in a video, like not even just the audience. And it's always just so enlightening to be reminded like and see an artist basically get lost in their own work and he I feel like constantly brings that to the table with every single performance and you know it might be because like it's his first time like rising into fame or it might be because that's just the way he is he's so passionate about his music and I love that like I I've seen him perform like probably five times now and he's not even that big so i've just always sought him out like i've gone to he toured with zoo like this uh edm dj which like i wasn't a fan of but i went for galan which i thought was hilarious because people were willing to shell out the money to go see zoo but didn't even know who galan was and i was there for him um so i've seen him front and center and i wish i could see him front and center every single time but with the rise of someone's you know popularity you just can't ever get that same experience that you got when they were unknown basically yeah yeah most definitely i definitely will send you some uh, a few tracks and let oh, yeah. let you know uh if they're good or not so that's pretty cool that's awesome yeah 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 so it's it's funny how music um definitely can bring people together so Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's awesome that everybody who you mentioned, I know like all who they are, like especially from Instagram to I knew everybody. That's the funniest thing. Like I didn't know, like the only person I didn't know was when you were talking about Zoo or whatever. That's like I knew everybody. So that's so cool. That's like it's a small world. So I love it. yeah. So when you're mentioning Adrian Ho and Amy Song, you're like I knew I knew all those people. I was like, yeah, that's so funny. That's a small world. So. Uh, somebody asked me a question. Have you ever li- listened to to U- UK rap, uh, you as well? UK? Um, I don't know. I only I've only listened to like a couple people, but like yeah. they don't they don't sound like it's not like I know they they have a distinct sound called grime, mm-hmm. 
but they don't rap like that. They kind of rap like Americans. So yeah, not really. Yeah, I only have like one person yeah. in mind that I listen from the UK. So yeah. Yeah, I don't mainly because I'm not like connected to the UK. Um, I mean, I have like one cousin over there, but other than that, I I don't really know UK culture per se. I mean, London is like my favorite city in the world like if i needed to if i could live anywhere i would live in the heart of like london downtown london um but other than that i mean that's probably my only connection and that's just from like my experiences um maybe not so much uk but i mean jay park um korean uh, i guess i have to plug my culture a little bit but um, he's emerging in America right now, and he just came out with Soju, which I believe is his first single under the Def Jam label. Um, and like, it has two chains featured in it, and I love it. I, I thought it was really catchy. Um, combines, you know, the popular elements of what makes the track go viral today. Um, and then he also still found a way to incorporate, you know, Korean culture, which isn't hard. It's not easy to do, especially when that's basically what you're known for. You know how to take that and actually leverage it versus like using it and this identifying solely only with that and forever being like stamped with that that's pretty cool um yeah i'm done with questions but uh yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate that uh one of my viewers uh, he said thank you thank you for coming out so oh, yeah i really that. yeah i really appreciate that this was really really dope so dope dope yeah. conversation we definitely have to go into more music conversations i, I would definitely oh, yeah. be that would be really awesome i feel like we would talk like for maybe like a whole hour for music so that so that'd be cool so most step thank definitely. you appreciate yeah, it please yeah. send me any recommendations just like listening to stuff that yeah. other people like resonate. yeah i will definitely send you some recommendations i definitely have some people that you would definitely fall head over heels for so definitely so yeah excited yeah <laughs> most of yeah thank you thank you i really appreciate that thank you awesome. so yeah so okay well if you have any more questions um ping me uh -huh. like you, you have my contact info yeah. now mm -hmm. but yeah Hopefully we can have like another conversation. Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. That would be really awesome. So yeah, thank you, thank okay, you for coming nice. out. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah, so I will definitely catch you later.